We hope you enjoy this tag preaching recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Thanks, Matt. Could I grab that? That would be awesome. Thank you. How are we doing tonight? Good, 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 good. What an awesome time of worship, eh? Which is handy because I want to talk a bit about atmosphere. Awesome. Yeah, so as Matt said, I'm Ben. Um, I've been coming to this church for a while, eh? For a long time, man. I know a lot of you. For those that don't, g'day. Um, I want to start this off with a bit of prayer because <laughs> I need it. Um, <laughs> thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Um, yeah, I pray that my words would just fall to the ground and that what you want to say tonight would be carried through, um, both myself and the other two awesome dudes. Um, in your name, amen. So atmosphere, um, I guess the reason I want to talk, so Pastor Will gave me no uh, topic to talk about, which is awesome, I was like, give me something, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work, no, um, but I was thinking, what um, have I looked at in life, what have I had to address, um, and I want to talk a bit about the atmosphere that we carry and the atmosphere we let ourselves um, walk into. Can I grab the Reggie cloth, the Pastor Will cloth? Because <laughs> um, that drum kit uh, you, wets you a bit. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Oh, I feel like Chris Hill. It's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah, this, is, this goes for thousands on Trade Me. Um, I assume it gets cleaned. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so I grew up in the UK um, and I've lived on farms for, or farmlets for most of my life. And um, one of the fun bits of farming is crutching. Anyone crutched here before? Of course you have, because that was, uh, my wife was, uh, some of our first dates were crutching. The sheep get the mess stuck to their back end and you come in with shears and you cut the wool off so that the flies don't lay eggs and they burrow inside. It's nasty. You don't want to go there. Um, and it's just an awesome job. You do it in summer. Often you're in a hot shed, tin roof, stinking hot, dealing with crap, which is probably a message in itself, but it's not where I'm going with this. Um, after, after doing that, you would... Um, well, let's say you'd carry an atmosphere for the next few days. Uh, and, and people knew where you'd been. Uh, and you could, you could shower as much as you wanted and you could put as much lings on as you wanted, but the, the atmosphere sort of stuck. Um, similarly, you know, if you go to a nice restaurant, um, there's an atmosphere around there as well. Um, hopefully different, depending on where the restaurant is, you know. Been to McDonald's and Gore, it's similar, um, but that's, that's fine. Um, they, they go to great lengths to create a nice atmosphere, a welcoming atmosphere um, that makes you want to come back and it makes you comfortable whilst you're there. It uh, makes you spend more um, and it helps you engage. I mean, that's what they're after. They're a business. They want your money. Um, at the end of the day, it's not a... No one's, uh, you know, lighting incense candles or has prayed before they open the doors that night. Uh, but there's an atmosphere uh, that's that's there, um, and it's and it's a, a human atmosphere. Um, 
depending on where you go, there may be a spiritual element, whatever, but it's generally it's they've gone and they've put music. They might have some lights. Starting to sound familiar, right? Um, and nice people greeting you at the door, friendly smiles, hopefully. Um, and you have an overall sort of great time. Um, contrasted to when you go to somewhere like the warehouse, which is just all about getting you in and out, right? Um, the... They're there to, to serve a purpose and um, not so much about you having a, a great time. Nothing against the warehouse. It's, it's great if you want cheap. Um, that's where it's at. Um, but at church, obviously, we do, we do a lot uh, in the, we're in the atmosphere business um, in, in some regards. And as far as if people don't like being here, we're probably not going to stay open. That's the reality of it. Um, and we create a place that is inviting for people to come. It has nothing to do with them encountering God, but it gets them here, it keeps them here, um, and they feel comfortable and at peace um, if we do our job uh, right. Um, so I just want to go to the guys who haven't got my scriptures because I'm not that organized. Um, I'm a bit out of breath from that last song. I was looking forward to just coming off. That's all good. Um, 1 Samuel 16, um, which for those of you who, who know is, um, so Saul, Saul and David, the well-known people in the Bible, if, if you know your Bible, if you don't uh, read it, that's, that's cool. But um, Saul had a, a tormenting spirit um, that would come and visit him. And uh, he found out that when David played his harp, um, tormenting spirit would go. That's that's. That's the verse. I don't need to read it. Um, Saul would feel better. The tormenting spirit would, would leave him. Um, now, if you put yourself in David's shoes, he probably didn't feel like going in and playing the harp. If you imagine the, the kind of the, the big dude in the land who's got tormenting spirits, it's not the best environment to go and play your little harp in. Um, but he... He saw the end result. Before he even started, he knew that playing that would bring a presence and the spirit would leave, um, which is cool until you read a bit further on in First Samuel 19. Saul was sitting at home with a spear in hand, like we'll do, um, and the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled the spear at David, David dodged out of the way, leaving the spear stuck in the wall. He fled and escaped into the night, and he then goes on the run, and it's all, it's all fun and games, uh, sort of. Um, the harp playing didn't work. Um, it, it, it wasn't a miraculous. It, it, it improved the situation at the time, but it wasn't, there, there hadn't been an encounter to rid that spirit from, from Saul. Um, it, had, it had brought temporary relief, but there hadn't been an engagement, um, a connection between sort of Saul and God to actually get rid of that spirit. Um, and so that's, that's what we're about here. We create an environment for and, you know, us ourselves and, and all of you to come in and be relaxed and be nice, good coffee, um, that's not going to save you, <laughs> sorry. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, it's awesome, it's nice. Um, 
and it, it as as sort of we say around here, it, it, it clears the path. Um, so we point the way, clear the path. That's a bit of a, a tagline. Um, and it definitely clears the way. It removes distractions. Um, if it was cold and if it was horrible and smelly in here, um, if it was dark, it would definitely be a distraction, but it, it's not going to save you. Um, it's when we create this, this atmosphere that allows, that gives you the, the sort of peace um, to encounter God, remove those distractions. Um, that's that's where, I was, where I was going over that. Um, yeah, so God doesn't respond to atmosphere like I, like I was saying. Um, it's our faith he responds to. Um, but man, it's the it's the the distractions that are in the way is why we do all this. I mean, if we could just rock up and have church without all this all this kit, and, and yeah, we could. Um, well, that Sunday would be a whole lot quicker for a lot of us. Um, but it, it it there's value in what we do because of the environment it creates. It, same as a nice restaurant. Um, you you get that that human natural feeling um, that releases you almost to to encounter, um, and so who sets that atmosphere? Um, is it Pastor Will? He sets the vision for sure. Um, could he by himself set it? Um, I don't think so. He could he could shift it for sure, and he does all the time. Um, is it you know Abby worship leading or you know is it the guys on the door? Um, and the point being that we all play play a part um, in setting that atmosphere. It's the the sum of what we bring into here that creates this atmosphere. Some of us bring skills on guitar or bass, or some of us uh, know how to make this place feel good with lighting and and make a good coffee. Um, and that the sum of that atmosphere is what we feel. Um, and therefore, the openness to respond. Um, so, what are we bringing? Um, there's a saying. I'm not sure what what industry it comes from. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, so, this sort of sphere of atmosphere that each of us carry, whether we like it or not. Um, what's that made up of? Um, and it's, it, it's what we surround ourselves with. We're like a sponge, right? <clears throat> we can intentionally shift certain aspects of our, uh, our character, if you will, that, that generate this atmosphere. Um, but when someone says something to you, your initial response is going to be based on what you've soaked up and what you've, uh, what you've surrounded yourself with. Um, Anyone around here remember Dave Whitaker, Pastor Dave Whitaker? A few, he's the pastor up at... South Life in Timaru. He came from here, um, and he was really intentional when he was. So he was he was worship pastor down here for a long time, and he was always very intentional about not watching um, not watching movies, n- not dodgy movies. Just very intentional about what he surrounded himself with before leading worship on a Sunday. So, um, so Saturday night, you know, he would be in his Bible, whatever, getting getting ready to to serve, taking that responsibility for his atmosphere and what, what he carried in, um, carried into this place on a Sunday. Um, sometimes, though, we need to go into places that are 
should we say negative? It might be a workplace. Um, it might be when you know the Red Frogs guys going into events in the university or whatever it might be. The the atmosphere is not necessarily the best. Um, and we've been given as much as we don't talk about it much anymore. The 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 kind of the armor of God. Um, to protect ourselves, we can guard our character. You don't have to agree with what you're surrounding yourself with, but if you let your guard down, that's what's going to come in, right? So if you're going in purposefully uh, ministering or, or, or being friends to people, whatever it might be, be on your guard. There's nothing wrong with it, but that, that's what's going to soak in and that's what's going to soak out if you're not really purposeful about what you what you sort of uh, say and say and do. Um, so shifting the atmosphere in church, I mean, and this isn't specifically church, obviously, this uh, affects every area of life. Church is a really obvious and relatable to everyone here, um, as far as a, an example. Um, but the way you talk to your co-workers or your co-students, whatever they're called, classmates, um, you know, the yeah, we're not talking about literally evangelism, but just the the light you choose to bring into that um, shifts, shifts atmospheres, right? You have the incredible power to shift, shift atmosphere. Um, I haven't got a timer. <laughs> We're good. Cool. Um, awesome. Just a wee side note. I don't want to go all night. Um, but in church, you know, being a little friendlier, encouraging a bit more, jumping a, a little bit higher, that sort of, it's a human response, it's a choice. But it shifts the atmosphere around us that feeds back into us and all of a sudden, that's, that's where we're at. We've shifted our own, fake it till you make it, right? You, 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 you shift yourself, lift yourself up, lift everyone else around you up, and they're then lifting you up, right? Um, so I just want to finish with a well-known, relatively well-known verse, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. I love that. Uh, God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Um, and I think that's, you know, the, the atmosphere you carry, being really intentional about it, and, uh, yeah, bringing those God colors into the world around you. Um, yeah, awesome. That's, that's all I've got. That's, that, that's us. And I believe we have the fantastic and recently engaged Mr. Luke Aldersley up next. A round of applause for this champ. Evening, team. How are we? Yeah, good. How good was that? Change the atmosphere? How about it? Um, cool. So Ben stole like 100% of my verses that he... So it's good. We're all, apparently we're all speaking from First and Second Samuel tonight, so that's, that's a good time. Um, yeah, so what I want to talk about is uh, about David and his pretty much his whole life um, because he's a legend. Um, I really, really like David and the impact he creates in his whole entire world. But yeah, so like when Pastor Will asked me, I was uh, 
pretty excited really, but it was a busy time in life. You get, you get busy and I totally forgot about it until like last week and there was other things happening. Um, and so that sort of distracts you from, from things. And so, but I have been reading, God's been taking me on a journey through First Samuel and it's been really enlightening um, just because, yeah, their life, Dave, yeah, anyway, anyway. Sweet, so I'm going to talk about the promise um, that God gives, because um, that is powerful as well, because that's how, that's how David did what he did um, from the promise of God. So I start off with David's life being pretty mellow to start off with, just a classic little uh, sheep herder or whatever he was. Um, sheep? Shepherd, that's the one. Here we go. <laughs> Shows that I paid attention when I was reading. Eh? So anyway... So he was, he was, and what, how, what I was reading, and he was called the run to the family. And I was just like, well, that sucks, poor fella. Like, if, he's, if his, that's what his dad was saying about him, then what's, what's he going to think of himself when he's out alone for days on end? Um, and so he's, what, what could I do? Am I good enough to do what God's called me to do? And, but, like, that's not what he did. Like, he, he was carrying that spirit of excellence, and whatever he did, he did it well. Um, and so, like, like Ben was talking about, his heart playing was flipping amazing, and even the king um, requested it because he was so good. And so, yeah, so he got he, uh, he got promise of God from when um, Samuel came and anointed him, and different things to be king. But then from that, he got asked to go see the king to play his heart. You just got anointed to become the future king, and then you get invited into the palace. Like you get the promise. You get into the palace. So David must be going into the palace, playing some harp, and he's like, yeah, this is how I get in. Saul's going to die, and then somehow I'm going to get king. <laughs> Did he not know nothing? Flipping it. And so, yeah. And so from what um, I got from uh, reading this, it was just real cool to see the promise that God gives you, but he opens doors and gives you a glimpse of the promise. Um, from, from day one, that was, that was instantly, it said, simultaneously or something along those lines, um, David had that spirit of the, that bad spirit come over him and then he requested David. So it was just, boom, God will give you the picture of the, what the promise will look like. Um, so I just got four different um, areas in which David's life changed when he got that promise. Um, and so, yeah, first thing was he had the conviction. So the conviction that God has called him into Somewhere, you know, when the creator of the universe, when God, the amazing guy that God is, will call you, you know you got something, you know you got some confidence. And so when he walks into the old David and Goliath thing, that's the very next chapter, just after he's been anointed and just after he's been invited into the palace. And then he, whatever. So he goes in and this, this verse or a couple of verses just stood out to me. It's First uh, Samuel 17, 34 to 37 out of the message version. So David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it and I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth and the lion... The teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear. 
will deliver me this Philistine. Good? Flippin' good, you know? So he had the conviction that God, like, who's this pig standing up and um, defying the enemies of the army of God? And, like, he's like, oh, yeah, all good. Like, God's called me to be king, but I'll just defeat this enemy on the way. And uh, so he's just like, simple, what can I do to do this? And then he figures out a plan and kills him, obviously. So the supernatural conviction that he has is like, there's this massive guy coming, bearing down on me, but I can still kill him without, without, without stress, without second-guessing it, without, yeah, cool. He's a pretty good. Um, yeah, and I just got this thought, like, God loves the stupid. Um, like, looking at him, be like, if I was in the army, I'd be like, you stupid boy, like, what are you up to? But God loves the stupid. He's not there just to be, um, like, you, for you to think about things and get it and then figure out a strategy and a plan. God's like, there's a stupid idea. We'll give that a whirl and see if it works. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he loves the stupid. He works because it's not by chance, like, that you win the battle, that you kill Goliath, but it's by the grace of God. So, yeah. Moving on. Point two. So point one was conviction. Point two is when one person gets the promise, more people get the promise. Um, so my favourite character in the Bible, hands down, is definitely Jonathan. Um, I think as a kid, I just had a book about him, and he was just sick, having bow and arrows and swords and stuff, and he was a king's son, so that's why he's cool. But him and David were like, they were boys. They were just like inseparable. They just, whatever, he just... Yeah, they were just boys. They were the lads. Um, I'm guessing they caused a bit of havoc around the, around the palace when David was, David was in there. Um, but Jonathan caught the promise from David because he saw the confidence and the different things that David was carrying. But then Jonathan went in. He, he defied the king because he wanted to kill David. And he was like, no, that's, the promise of God is not for David to die right now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that promise right now. So he's, he's totally defied everything that, he's, that his right and his privilege is because he, his right was to rule, wasn't it? So he was the son of the king, and so he was going to move in when Saul died. So he's given that all up because of the promise of God. So question, are we willing to give, give up our right to rule, rule over our, our own lives? Because, yeah, that's pretty incredible if you think about it. Like he's given up every, all this power, victory, all those different things for David, who he's seen a promise in. And so, yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so that's another thing, point two. And point three is, yeah, I don't know, it's just sort of came to me. And um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit further on where Saul is trying to kill David. Um, in verse 24, verse 22, or in that general vicinity. David, I mean, Saul try, Saul's trying to kill him, and but then Saul goes into a cave and hides, but really David's in there and he could kill him, but he doesn't kill him. Cuts a bit of his, um, his robe off and then flings it to Saul when he walks out of the, walks out of the thing and laughs at him. Um, again, but then after that happens, um, uh, he has a yarn with Saul and telling him that, he hasn't done anything wrong, but and Saul's like, bless you, um, different things. So he's like sort of forgiving him in that moment. But then um, 
David doesn't go back to be with Saul. It says here, he goes back to the wilderness refuge. And that really hit me. He was like, he's won the victory against Saul. He's, he could have killed him, but he didn't. And so he's, he's hanging this thing in victory over Saul. But he doesn't go back to Saul. He goes into the wilderness refuge with, where he's seen the victory, where he's um, got the promise. He's like, I'm not going to dwell with my enemies or people who are going to try and bring me down because that's not what I'm called to do. Um, and it happens again um, where David could kill Saul again, but he doesn't. Um, and so Saul stops looking, but he doesn't go back to Saul again. He goes back to the wilderness, goes back to where his refuge is. And so even though he's won the victory, Saul, he's not going to go back and dwell with Saul because he sees where um, Saul's going to bring him down. He sees he's going to try to kill him again. He's going to turn and he's going to, um, yeah, distract him from the, from the promises that God has given him. And so... Yeah, that, that just struck me as an interesting, interesting little ploy that he did because he's not going to, like the devil's not going to give up after you've won one victory. He's not going to stop coming at you and you, <laughs> you kind of need to win and get the victory over and over again before he'll stop getting you because, well, he won't stop coming. Um, the only way is for, for you to put up the boundary, put up the promise of God as a shield. Be like, I'm not going to walk into this um, enemy um, territory because I know the promise of God is here and I'm just going to keep walking in that promise. Cool. The last thing, I think I'm going relatively quickly. That's pretty ideal, really. All right. Also, promise of God won't compromise your humanity. That's the fourth one. Um, so David's, uh, when he was going to kill, well, he had the opportunity to kill Saul multiple times. Um, but Saul, he realised that Saul was called. He was called by God and he was like, I'm not going to kill the, who, uh, the man who was called by God. He was anointed a king by God, even though that I'm called to be the king. And so he's seen that promise that Saul has got and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to touch him because he's still God's called king at that current point in time. And so he's got that conviction where he's, I'm going to walk in the calling, but it's going to be the calling for which God has laid down in front of me. And so even though he's got the, um, the picture of, I'm going to be king, it's going to be amazing. He still, and he has the opportunity to get in there, but it's not the right opportunity. And so God's not, and he, if he did, he would have murdered someone and compromised the humanity and gone against all that he's, um, all that he's learned pretty much. And so, yeah, God won't compromise the humanity, but also who are we to, um, to judge someone who is called and anointed by God? Yeah. Like, why, why are we judging people when, like, when we look to ourselves? We've compromised our humanity by doing it. And so I just want to encourage you, let's, let's live in the promise, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Like, God's calling us into something, yeah. but it's not, it's not going to be now. Yeah. Not necessarily now, and there might be a process. You might be gone into the palace, but, you're, but it's not your time to be king yet. And so, yeah, um, yeah, and so those are just the uh, four different points which I pulled out of First Samuel, which are pretty cool, really. I, I quite enjoyed First Samuel. I might read Second Samuel now. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I think Andrew's going to speak on Second Samuel a little bit. Um, cool. So can I just quickly pray that we, um, uh, yeah, 
after like David has a crazy story, but we all have promises in our lives. We all have uh, callings for which God has laid on our hearts. And I encourage you, don't forget them because like so much of life can um, can help us to forget our promises that God has given us. Um, so I'm just going to pray quickly because praying seals the deal and we can get it done. So <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you, God. Father, you are awesome, Jesus. And I just, I just lift us up to you, God. Father, I pray that the promises that we get, Father, promises that we live in, that you've given us, Father, are not forgotten, Jesus. Father, I pray for a conviction, Father, to rise up within us, Father, that we have been given this promise by the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The creator of the universe has spoken, and so we can't forget that. And it just carries so much authority, God. And I just pray that you, you rise up in our soul and in our, in our hearts, God, the, the promise in which you have laid, on, laid there. And Father, I just thank you that we have the opportunity to serve you, Father. We have the opportunity to live in your promise, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Sweet. So now I think... I think we have old Ando coming up. Um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I should give him an introduction. All right. Andy, how are you? Good. So Andy, I don't know, he's a good sort. Um, but he does, he does carry a lot. Um, he does carry so much weight on his shoulder for how, how old he is. He's a young guy, but he carries so much authority. And so as he comes and talks, can we just like, actually just tap in because this guy's got some wisdom, like unreal wisdom and just talking like even just having little conversations. Yeah, there's banter in there, but there also is pearls of wisdom that are just like, what flip, where do they come from? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, can we just like tap into him because he's a legend and it's going to be amazing. How we doing? Good. Give me two seconds. Turn to someone, say hello. I made the mistake of drinking water and not going to the toilet. Uh, so let's make this reasonably quick. <laughs> um, so a bit about me. Um, my name's Andrew. I'm 21. Had to think about that one. Um, I've been in Equipers Church since I was about 10. Um, so before that, I was in uh, a church called Oasis in Masterton. Um, and then Pastor Will came uh, and uh, started Equipers, well, transformed Equipers. Kind of like what he did here, but to Masterton. Um, and so, like, Equippers um, is in my blood, um, and so I love it. Um, and, yeah, I, today I'm preaching um, about something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, when I, I actually, before Pastor was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you're doing a tag preach on Sunday. Um, I had this word. Uh, it's a word that I believe that I live, or I try to live. Um, and it's just, when I was writing it, there's so much content, and I had to, uh, structure my notes in a way that I'd only give you one point, otherwise we could be here for as long as Matt would preach. Are we good? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Couldn't. Um, what's, what's amazing is that uh, the Holy Spirit has stitched us all up, um, and we're actually uh, all preaching about David, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence, um, because I know that all three of us live a life of servanthood. I know that all three of us um, put serving first, that uh, we're not in a position of leadership um, so we can get our way or do what we want. We're in a position of leadership so we can serve those uh, who follow us. The thing I love about David um, 
as he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who would spend time uh, in morning, evening, uh, Psalm 55. Uh, he would be praying. Um, so morning, evening, and noon. Remember that. He would spend praying. Um, he was a model of servanthood. Uh, he wasn't scared of the battle, and he knew how vulnerable you were when you're isolated. We see in um, when David's young life that uh, he... Uh, he had many battles uh, in his own life. He was the forgotten son. I like to say that. So when the king came to whatever the guy, who was it? Samuel. Samuel. Um, yeah. Uh, when he came, he was like, yo, where's your sons? Uh, David was still tending his sheep. Um, he'd, he's fought battles, as we heard Luke. Um, he's created atmospheres. Um, he's just ridiculous. Um, one thing I like about David is that uh, he knew about isolation. He, he, he saw his sheep. He's uh, sorry, puberty. He saw his sheep. Uh, <laughs> he saw his sheep get taken, and he knew what it was to fight for that one sheep, even though he had 30, 40 sheep, whatever. Um, and then another thing I love about David is that the Lord gave him victory wherever he went. Um, not one place in the Bible I could find, and that my Google searches yesterday could find, uh, was where he lost a military battle. Every battle he fought, he won. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to read a quick scripture. Uh, so this is when David was uh, reigning as king. So we've heard First Samuel uh, a little bit, and that was when David um, was like on his journey. But now we're going to be talking about uh, when he was king. Uh, before this, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but he had many victories. Uh, and this is kind of, I think, David's moment of, Ooh. So let's turn to 2 Samuel 11, uh, 1 to 5. And I think these guys have it because I was organized. Um, oh, not saying you weren't. Not saying you weren't. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, what did I say? 11. I could read it there. I brought a new Bible because I'm going blind. And so I needed... Let's just read it here. Uh, in the springtime, okay, in the spring... At the time when kings would go to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, uh, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find, about, find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba the daughter of that person and the wife of that person, the Hittite. Uh, the, I can't read from that. You get the gist. Not important right now. Uh, then David said to the messengers, uh, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. He slept with her. Uh, now, pur now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Uh, then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. What I find really interesting about this uh, is that it states that it was springtime. So I was like, what's so significant about this springtime? So what's before spring? Summer, autumn, winter, spring. Um, so kings wouldn't actually normally go to, um, historically wouldn't go to war in the springtime. It was colder. Well, they wouldn't generally fight war in the, in the winter, sorry, um, because it was like muddy. It was, you imagine, fighting. They had to live in tents. Um, later on, it says that, this battle that David didn't go to was in the open fields. And so like they were in the middle of nowhere. It would have been cold. But this was springtime when the kings usually went to war. And then David, a man who was known for leading his army to battle, stayed in Jerusalem. Um, yeah, so David chooses not to go to battle 
Um, and I find this really uh, interesting when I look at uh, when I look at us as not us, but people, us, me, you. Um, I, I've been around teams for so long, and I, I get what it is to serve, and I get what it is to be busy. See, beforehand. Uh, David was, I think, Samuel 8. He was given many victories. He was fighting battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. He was probably getting tired. It came to this battle with uh, the Ammonites. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, which they say would have been a long battle because basically they waited in the open and waited for the guys to starve so they won the battle. So this would have been a long battle, yeah? And so you could imagine David being like, okay, cool, I've won this victory, I've won this victory, I've won this victory. This one's going to be a long one. Uh, maybe I'll just chill out and hold up for this one uh, and not go to this one. But we see that that's actually uh, a pretty bad decision because uh, it says that all of the, all the um, Israelite army, which is all of the men, uh, in Israel, in the Israel army, all the men should have been at this battle. So Bathsheba was just doing her thing. She was like, "There's no men around here," but David wasn't in the right place at the right time. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so I, I started thinking about this, and I was like, "Why? Why would David not actually go to battle?" Um, and I think of it as the front line. The front line is a place where you get arrows shot at you. You're in the open. You're in the cold. It's not a comfortable place. Um, maybe David thought. Uh, that he, he was quite busy and needed a rest, or maybe he was getting a little bit arrogant. Um, I'm not saying this is fact, but I know in my life when when I start seeing some like weird, weird, what do you call it, patterns and behaviours in my life, I know that uh, that I have to do a self check. See, it says uh, in here. I need to find it. I'm pretty sure I put it in there. Yes, it says here that. Uh, one evening David got up, I think some other scriptures say, uh, like afternoon David awoke. So basically he was having a sleep in. Uh, he was chilling out. But a characteristic of David was that he would be praying morning, he'd be praying noon, and he'd pray evening. See, David had obviously lost something. And so what, what was that something? I, I think personally when I lose something in my life, it's when I'm busy and when I'm tired. And that's when arrogance can step in. See, imagine this, okay? Uh, you're in the battle, you're in a battle, right? Uh, and you're like, thank you, God, for, this, uh, for giving me this victory. Uh, oh, it was really good, thank you. Oh, thank you, God, for giving me that victory. No, 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 that's good too. Oh, thank you for giving me this victory. Oh, that one's good. And thank you for giving me that victory. Uh, oh, wow, okay, guys, I've really had a victory in this, and I've really had a victory in that. See, what's happened here is David went from a... a, a a language of praise to God saying, thank you, God, for giving me this victory. Uh, and he might have gone to a language of, oh, I've actually now overcome this victory and forgot who was giving him the victory. See, I know sometimes in church we can go to equip her, we can go to man up, we can go to something can be like, oh, I've, I've had this victory, I've had this victory on Saturday, I've had this victory on Friday, and I'm so busy with church. Today, maybe I'm going to go tend my garden because I'm just full and I'm just busy. Yeah? So, so often we fill our life with this godly stuff, but we forget the fact that God is winning these battles for us. Um, I know, what's his name? Ben talked about creating an atmosphere. Every time you turn up to church, you're creating an atmosphere for someone. What happens if you don't turn to the front line? I think my key army, uh, my key scripture slash thought around this uh, would be don't leave the army behind. See, David sent his army out and he stayed for the comfort of his own bed. Um, 
the the Amnala, no the his the Israelite armies I mentioned it before were staying in tents in the open field. It was cold. David got to sleep in. David got to eat his kingly food. David got to do what he wanted. He was in the wrong place at the right right wrong time. I th- personally view this as a like a. Uh, uh, I'm still sleeping in bed. So like. Um, Imagine this, you're on a Sunday, you wake up, ah, it's church. I could probably actually sleep in my own bed and like not go to church. So I just chill out in bed. But I know my army's eating this food, right? And so I'm just going to eat my kingly food. That's kind of like, ah, I'll just choose what I want. I'll choose what battle I'll fight. Um, when I see this, I'm relating it to a day like this. I see, uh, sorry, I've got a few illustrations. Um, yeah, I see that we can choose what we want. See, David could choose his bed, he could choose his, his food, uh, rather than going out in the uncomfortable and in the un- unpredictable. See, sometimes it's easier to stay in bed, uh, to turn on your favorite sermon, to turn on, uh, I don't know, your favorite worship, because you can choose what you have. Uh, you can choose how loud it is, you can choose how quiet it is, you can choose what the preacher preaches on. If you're dealing with something, you're not going to watch something like that, because you don't want it to touch you. But see... The army, the army decided to go into a place where there was, it was open, where there was arrows fired at them, where there was stuff left, right, and center that they couldn't control because they knew that there was a battle to be won and they needed to put themselves on the front line. So I'm suggesting to you, where are you not putting yourself on the front line? Um, what are you setting yourself up for? David's fall didn't just happen. He disengaged himself from the battle, choosing a life of ease and comfort. Rather than staying with his army and... Um, yeah, rather than staying with the army and living a life of uncomfortable, but a life where God is fighting your battles for you. Um, I think another excuse that David could have had uh, was that, oh, I've actually fought like, a lot of battles now. Uh, 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 what was it? I fought a lot of battles now. Um, I can't do everything, so maybe I just won't do anything now. So like, it's too much for me. I'll just step back and my army's prepared. I know they'll go before me. Maybe this could look to you like, uh, I've had a busy week, work's been busy, e-group's been busy, I've had creative, uh, we had a vision night in there also somewhere. I can't do everything, I'm just, just going to pull back and slowly you notice that you're not going to church, slowly you notice that you're not going to e-group. Um, the thing I love about these church and e-group is Ecclesiastes 4.12, I haven't given to these guys, but it says a person standing alone can be attacked, whoa, and defended but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better for a triple-bated cord cannot, is not easily broken. See, the thing that church and e-group, and may I suggest that your army does for you, is they stand back for back. They fight your battles. They, when you're getting tired, they know you're standing there and they're like, I've got you, bro. I've got you, bro. But when you step into that with God, your victory is won. You just have to show up. Yeah? Is this good? Am I talking fast? Okay, I'm sorry if I am. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, I kind of just did, actually. Was that good? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah. It's a hard message to preach because it's not a pretty one. It's not one that uh, is like, yeah, David was a good man. David was a man who had all these victories. It was that David had a moment of weakness, but this moment of weakness was a preventable weakness. David, all he needed to do is step up to the uncomfortable. He needed to step up to the unpredictable and be like, God, I'm here. I need your help. Uh, if he was in the battle, may I suggest to you that 
this Bathsheba thing, would it have been an issue? I know that sometimes when I'm alone and sometimes when I neglect meeting together, thoughts go through your mind. You start to do weird stuff like not praying morning, noon, and evening. And you're like, this is not normal for me. That's when your army can come together and be like, no, now you need to step up to the battle. Are we cool? So I really, I really want to pray. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just pray like what his name Luke said because it seals the deal. Um, and I really, I really pray that you receive this as a message of encouragement. It's a, it's a message of we're here as an army, church as an army, your e-group as an army. Don't neglect that because the enemy is after you. And if you're surrounded by your army, army, if you're surrounded by your army, they're the ones that are going to deflect their arrows when you're worn down. Yeah. Cool. Father God, we thank you and we honor you, God. You're the God who wins our victories for us. You're the one who works uh, when we're not even looking, God. So right now, God, we give you all the praise and we give you all the honor. God, we don't want to forget that you're the God uh, who's working behind the scenes. Uh, right now, God, I pray for every single person in this room, God. If there's anyone struggling with, a, uh, with isolation, God, if there's anyone who feels isolated, God, we, we pray that an army will surround them, God, that you'll deflect arrows, but you'll put people around them who can pull them up when they've fallen down, God. So in your name, amen. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Let's give it up for Andrew and all our people. Let's give it up for Ben. Let's give it up for Luke. Such an incredible job tonight, you guys. Fantastic. The worship team can come up if they want. Um, You guys can take a seat. You guys take a seat. I love how the Holy Spirit has hooked us up this evening. And as Andrew said, it's around all this, this man, this person called David. They've all spoken on uh, David and they've talked about his high points, his low points, his points where he's had to, to really push in, some points that have been hard, some points that he's seen victories and some points where he's seen defeat. And it's just cool that we'll come to focus on this man of David right now. And I really felt led to the scripture 1 Samuel 13, 13. And um, it's where Saul was rejected as king and, and David's anointed. And it says, it's talking to Saul here. It says, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. This is to Saul. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Man, it's a big thing to miss out on. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You may have heard that lots that David is said to be a man after God's own heart. He was after God's likeness. He was after God's likeness. He didn't want to be God. He just wanted to be like God. I think so often we want to be God instead of be like Him. We go, I want your position, God, instead of going, I want your likeness. But David didn't want to be God. He just wanted to be like God. He just wanted to serve God, to to know God's nature. And that's why he was so after his heart, after God's heart. And I'm just reminded right now about all the things that Ben, Luke, and Naismith talked about. Andrew, that is. Sorry, Nay they talked about was all about having the presence of God in your life, stewarding the uh, the presence of God on your life, about entering to relationship with Him. David was an incredible man, but just one moment where he didn't want to enter the presence of God took him out. 
So it's all about stewarding the presence of prisons. I want to say president, presence of God on your life. And in Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, this is Jesus. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I've just been up at Acts Conference and a guy named Jedidah Turner preached on this message. And his response to the scripture was, what? What? Daily. I have to take up my cross daily. Every day I have to go and take up that cross. And on that cross is my comfort. On that cross is my insecurity. On that cross is my anger. On that cross is my pride. On that cross is my hurt. And what? Jesus, I have to go take this thing up daily. What is this daily business? I thought I could just come to church on Sunday and then do what I want on Monday to Saturday. I thought I could just get your presence on a Sunday and then do what I want. But in the scripture, Jesus says, hey, take up your cross daily. Honor my presence daily. And the thing is, is that the cross, like the the cross costs, right? It costs us because it costs us our humility to go there day after day. But the thing is, is that it actually represents everything we desire. Everything we need is on the cross. Come on, if you're angry, God has joy on the cross for you. If you're hurt, God has redemption on the cross for you. If you're feeling like you've got desperation in the life, God's got a response for you. He's got an answer for your question that you can't find anything to in the world. So it costs us everything, but in turn, it gives us everything we desire. Could our response be church? Instead of going, what? Daily. I have to take up this thing daily. I don't want to do that. I just want to sleep in, as Andrew said. I want to sleep in today. I don't want to take up my cross. But as a church, could we people who go, God, I'd love to pick up your cross because as I pick up your cross, it means I have to let go of those things I don't want to hold anyway. I actually, God's saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you to let go of those things you don't want to hold anyway. And David was a man who knew how to take up the cross daily, how to pursue the presence of God daily, how to go after His likeness. And we just hear one moment where he didn't do that and the hurt and the, but the thing was is that his response to that was not, I screwed up once, oh, I'll just be of the world now. I'll just do things about the world now. He see, he got on his hands and knees and he prayed to God and he cried out to God and he said, create in me a pure heart, oh God because I've let this thing become about me. I've let this pursuit become about me wanting to be you, God. But it's not about me being you, God. It's about me just carrying your likeness. Tonight, we've been reminded of the character of David and I just feel as a church right now, could we go to the cross again? Could we pursue him again? Could we go from a Sunday to a Monday to a Tuesday to a Wednesday to a Thursday to a Friday to a Saturday to a Sunday? Because the presence of God should never be another task we tick off. The presence of God is our everything. It's our everything. So tonight I just feel like let's get to our feet. If you want to stand with me and let's just pray into that. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.